Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News, joined virtually by Pat Williams of the AHL.com. Excited to talk about you know a couple topics today uh, pertaining to things around the AHL, as we always usually do. Pat, how are we doing? Good, good. How are you? We're uh, finally through, well, most of the last of the deadlines. Now it's just all the junior and college kids coming in. So, like, the rosters are never set in this league. You think you have it, like, down pat, and then there's, you know, there's been a whole new crew of college kids coming in now. The second wave, almost, of yeah. additions. Yeah, I, I mean, my buddy's my been pretty okay. I had a call with... um. With oh my god, okay. So I had a call with Michael Murray, GM of Iowa, but I almost called him Matt like five times, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I know it's Michael, but like every time I'm about to say thank you, Michael, I'm like, not Matt Michael. So that 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 was my uh, bit of adventure for the day. Other than that, nothing too bad. Hey, I saw uh, Golchaniak when he was with uh, Colorado. He was in town. He was talking a bit about. Well, uh, Jared Bednar was talking about how he's done a good job defensively. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a couple episodes ago, hey, with Greg Cronin and stuff. It's pretty cool to see him get a sh- to get him sh- to see him get a shot, hey. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, it like really, like he kind of really d- dug down deep in his game and basically went down to basics and deconstructed his. I mean, ten years of bad habits and and started to rebuild it back up. And like you know, it's you know if he can make himself useful that way right like the more versatile you are the more your chances are sticking to the nhl especially as you get a little bit older and maybe their production starts to tail off a little bit yeah for colorado they just lost lekkanen for at least the rest of the regular season they're already out at lattice gog this is a big chance for him but i will mm-hmm. say he's got a lot of people he's gonna have to prove wrong because you know he's got like a decade of of being a defensive liability let's see how he, he can be fixed to this level yeah, but I, I mean, I think for the, the thing working for him is that he's been, if he has been fixed, it's been fixed in Colorado. So, like, they kind of have some sure. skin in the game here, and they've invested their time, their effort, their energy with him, you know, for the last four months. So, it's kind of, you know, everybody's now kind of pulling in the same direction. So, I think it was it was a good move on his part. Like, it was a little bit of a leap of faith for him to go down to the AHL and, and not just go down for, like, a little bit. He was down there for, you know, four months and really work on his game. I mean, we all know that he can certainly score at the age level and he put up enough points, but the real test for him was to go down there and, and prove both the Colorado and himself, maybe most of all that he can add this element to his game. We talked a lot about players that maybe earlier we thought would be up at the club, but they're in the AHL. Now they're back up. So Galchenik was one guy we mentioned off the hop of the year. Another guy is Jack Drury, who mm-hmm. we kind of talked about a lot. Tomasino is another one. These guys are kind of fixtures in our conversations. And Drury is the latest of them to sort of get that chance and so far make good of it. So he's recorded 13 points in his last 15 AHL games. 
with Chicago, got recalled, played for Carolina against Winnipeg on Tuesday, scored a goal actually mm-hmm. um, in what was a, a nice debut. He was actually playing with Stefan Nosen of uh, his former teammate last year, the Calder Cup run. What's your read on Drury and just kind of how this season's gone for him since, you know, being sent down from Carolina around midway point of the year and now into March when he's back with the team? Yeah, I spoke with uh, Chicago Wolves, uh, Brock Sheen, the head coach there, and just, uh, you know, a lot of my own viewings of him. And, you know, like this, like last year, he was more or less part of the supporting cast in Chicago right. on the team that went to the Calder Cup. I mean, they had, I mean, Nason himself had 48 goals. I mean, that team was absolutely loaded. Um, but uh, this year he was counted on to be a lot more. Ryan Suzuki didn't get into action for, you know, first, you know, two months or so of the season. Like it was also just a Chicago team that had been really, you know, pretty stripped down and, you know, was almost starting over. So, you know, like the production necessarily hasn't been there at different points, but like, if you watch him enough, like he's been generating chances, the finish wasn't there, but I mean, he's also not playing with a ton of finishers, you know, in that lineup now, like he was last year. So uh, he's worked a lot on, on really, you know, broadening in his game, making it a real effective two way. And that's what you have to do, right? Like you're not breaking into the top six in Carolina, right? So you better come in there and be able to be useful in that bottom six role for at least for the time being. And that's where the real focus has been on his game. Like add that better defensive play, you know, while still, you know, you you don't want to do it at the sacrifice of what's gotten you there and what's made you successful. And I think he's been able to the last, I'd say like 10, 15 games, you could really start to see, that turnaround where he was able to start to blend both elements of his game in there. The but what's his identity? Pat, that's the thing I, I'm trying to understand with Jack Drury. I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I thought he'd be like a top six guy really ever. I think maybe middle yeah. six, but I don't know. Like what, what do you foresee Jack Drury being the next level? I think it depends where he plays. Like if he's in Carolina, I think he's probably a bottom six for the very foreseeable future like you know a couple years out even like if he was somewhere else i think he's already i don't don't think he's in the age i think he already would have been up top and probably in at least a middle six role but yeah that's a a deep lineup to try to crack um and let's be honest he's only getting his shot right now because fetchnikov went down so um, you know now that you know they're kind of hard pressed you know you're like you're past the nhl deadline you're you're deep into march now like he's the best option. So, but Drury kind of strikes me as a guy that, okay, maybe his minutes would be less in Carolina than somewhere else, but Carolina is very much a system team. They Mm -hmm. play a certain way and they stick to it and they do it. Well, Drury's also a really smart player. I could see him just becoming a Brendan Moore favorite. Like I could see him being in a third line, fourth line role and just being a really good one at that. You know, they, they, Carolina is a really hard forechecking team mm-hmm. that is relentless on that. And that's kind of their menu. That's how they create and sustain ozone pressure. I just, I don't know. Assuming Drury can keep up in all the other prerequisites. I think he'd be such a good fit for them. And look, their losses with Svechnikov and, and Pacioretty, Jack Drury is not going to help that. But I'm just saying, I think he is quite possibly you know, able to give a boost to that bottom six. I think he just fits their system well. I mean, there are a lot of guys in the NHL that made very nice careers being reliable. Yeah. Liners, That's kind of what liners. I mean, though. Like, I think he's yeah. 
that's kind of what I think Jack Drury was going to be. It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying. It's I, not I, bad, right? It's, I mean, well, is he skilled enough to be a top six player? I don't think so, and I don't think that's like. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to like. I'm not crapping on the guy here. I'm just saying, I think when evaluating like what he's going to be, I think the thing is when you have like a, a statistical campaign like he did last year, it can obviously clout people's perceptions and expectations. This year, what I think we're seeing is it coming down to earth a bit. And, sure. you know, I don't think offensive total is the only thing you can go off of. But again, you know, someone like him probably fits the profile of someone that would be a bottom six player. That's all I'm saying. Sure. And, but, I mean, you do – I mean, you do like to see the – like a guy who would be a bottom six in the NHL, you like to be – you like to see him be able to still produce at the NHL level. Totally. That, that totally. certainly bodes well. Like, you, you know, it's – it's there is Perhaps a certain know. element of, like, you have to produce. Totally. Even if you're not able to carry that into the NHL. So, um, you know, the, you have to at least be – you can't be a completely one-sided player defensively no. either, right? So Those days are over. There's, yeah. There's no like, more of that one-dimensional – Sort yeah, of the, the what the, the the strictly a defensive specialist is is not a thing either anymore. You know, any more than just being a one way player offensively. So, yeah, well, everyone's at, counted on to be both ways now. Totally, and just because you become a shutdown fourth line player in the NHL, like those guys probably could all put up close to a point per game in the AHL. Sure. Not all of them, but my point being is that they're in the NHL for well. And I think it's a redefinition too of what, you know, like a shutdown used to mean like, you know, before, you know, really there was the the concept of possession shutdown used to mean that like you were in your own zone all night getting, you know, completely caved in and yeah, they didn't score, but you know, you were bombarded all night and your goalie was, you know, you know, completely overworked. So, I mean, now that you have to have that skill element to, in order to at least, even if you're not a finisher at the NHL level, at least, be able to play with the puck a little bit and, and, and do something with it, not just completely, you know, get backed into your own zone all night. No, I agree. You know, we were chatting, you and I, I think it was two days ago, about something you, you brought up, sent me a note about how a lot of coaches that you've been talking to recently are kind of gearing up for the Calder Cup. And mm. what does that really mean exactly? But you, you basically put it as, you know, the training wheels are off. I want – tell us a bit about that because I think this – leads way to a very interesting discussion on a lot of fronts, but let's first hear what, what you're basing this off of. Yeah. So, you know, I like, let's just give some of the foundation for that. Right. So like in the HL, especially in the first half of the year, playing time, ice time, different roles, different situations is not always done. It's not always a meritocracy, right? If you're a first round pick, second rounder, high level prospect, you're getting a lot of opportunities right off the bat that, that you necessarily haven't earned yet um, just because of, of your pedigree and your stature and, and, and what the NHL team wants, frankly. You know, so you will sometimes see like, you know, rookie, a rookie center who's a, a top, top prospect early on before he's really kind of proven that he can do it. He's going out in the final two minutes of the game. You know, he's, you know, catching a key draw. He's getting, you know, that, that, that key ice time. He's out there, you know, when you're, you know, you pull your, pull your goalie, like, now though, like you've had five months now to kind of everybody's gotten their chance and then some, right? At this stage, now it's who's playing best, right? Like now it's like now the vets start to to uh, take over some of that ice team time because at this point it's, it becomes less about 
all right, well, we have to develop so-and-so. And we have, and it, it shifts more to like, we have to get this team in the playoffs so that everybody can develop, right? And that that's the goal right now. So you, you spoke to Vogel Howard in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Who, who else? Sorry, just read off the list of who you kind of chatted with recently. Yeah, Trent Vogel Hoover in Cleveland, uh, David Bell in, in Belleville, uh, Chris Knobloch in Hartford, uh, Mark Bernard in, in Rockford. He's the GM there. And a few other coaches as well. Um, and then, yeah, that team came up, uh, often without prompting even, um, so, that, you know, let's say like Corson Kuhlman's in, in Cleveland, right? Right. So he's a, he's a first rounder. Uh, he just left university of Wisconsin, uh, this month signed with Columbus. He's now down in Cleveland. He's making his debut this week. And the message there is if he can handle it, great. But if he can't, we're not just going to keep throwing him out there at this stage of year. Like, the rest of the team is invested too much, right? And there's too much at stake overall. But I wonder if those are circumstantial situations you've listed. Cleveland's on a bubble. Same with Belleville. Same with, was Rockford in? I can't remember. Rockford is, uh, they're not really in the bubble per se, but, uh, but really, you know, I mean, this, this applies all the way up even to, to some of your top teams, right? Like, but I guess this is, your the counter would be, isn't the whole thing about getting these like your number one priorities to get your prospects playing or am I missing something here? Well, how do you get them extra playing? You get in the sure. playoffs, but then it becomes the argument of, okay, so you're going to go and run a team and, and not play them as much. And then once you get the playoffs, they'll get that ice time. Well, what you're hoping is that they, you know, they're up for the, for the challenge, right? Like, and if they're right. not, then, then you kind of have, you have other problems now. I mean, now, now you have some answers. I mean, the whole, season up until this point is just been answers starting to trickle in. you know, you're getting all this data. If you think of it that way, and you've had five months now, it's a good sample size who can handle it, who can't. Fair. Um, and if, if, frankly, you know what, if, if they're a top prospect at this stage, they can't handle playing important minutes down the stretch in the AHL. Well, like you have your answer that, Hey, this kid's not ready for the NHL anytime soon. So, you know, and Cleveland's got to get in. They they've got to get in, like they for that organization. Like I, I can understand, especially that one, because actually I can understand every situation you've listed. Look at Cleveland; they have to get these guys playoff minutes. Sure, they have to have some sort of silver lining, you know, as an organization. Okay, we got some prospects playing key games. You got to have that. New York, we talk about them all the time. They really Hartford never gets in. Belleville. I mean, another similar to to Columbus, right? You know, the big club. They, well, they, actually, Ottawa's kind of still in contention. But, yeah. you know, the other parts they have with the Belleville system, they want them playing games. And then Rockford, of course. Look, well, look at Ontario, though. They're, they're pretty solidly in. And um, they very much run it as a, you know, as a, you know, meritocracy there, you know. If it was strictly about development there, well, you wouldn't be playing TJ Tyne in 20 to 25 minutes a night, right? Like, you know, like you have to, the more, I mean, if you get in the playoffs, then everybody can get that extra development time, right? Like yeah. the worst thing for any team, I mean, is you go home in April and then what? Or you go, or you do make the playoffs, right? But you're kind of stumbling in and then, you know, especially in this league where you have a best of three, um, you know, playing around and they have two best of five series. I mean, if you're not, if you're not, as a team ready to go your playoff time's going to be real short. Like we saw that with Utica last season, they, 
they kind of stumbled into the playoffs a little bit, even though they finished first overall. And they were one and done, right? And then all that valuable development time that you would have gotten otherwise is, you know, really is is not going to happen. So um, it's all right now. It's all about getting the playoffs, and then you know, then you. I mean, and, and this can shift too, right? Like you know, somebody that isn't maybe necessarily playing well right now, well, maybe in a week or two they start to find their game. Sometimes it's also a wake up call, right? Like, well, Oh, you know, I'm a first round pick. I've just been, I've been playing top six minutes all year. All of a sudden now I'm not right. Well, right. oh, I guess I better get myself in gear and, and get my game back up to par, you know? So, you know, there's different elements of, um, you know, coach, you know, co- different tricks coaches can use. And, you know, sometimes it's a carrot, sometimes it's a stick um, depends on, you know, and that that's half. I mean, in the AHL, that's most of the job for these coaches. It's not system stuff. It's not that. I mean, they're mostly playing what the NHL team does in right. terms of systems. It's, it's player management, personality management. That that really is where it's the focus is. Let's talk about Cleveland in particular. I kind of alluded to it there. As I said, this team, you know, the organization, they really got to get their affiliate in because, you know, they just sent your cheek it off now, down. They've got mm-hmm. Dillinger papered. So basically, he can, he's out for like all their cup playoffs as well when Columbus's NHL season ends, they got to get them in. The, the question I have for them is, do you think that they, as much as they have the firepower they do now, do they have enough time to write this ship or are they in real questionable territory? I mean, they're three back, you know, as of today, Thursday, they have four games in hand with Belleville. Now they play Belleville twice this weekend at home. So that will tell a lot. Um, and, and, but we've talked about this before, like, a three game or a three point deficit in this league is not the same as the three pointer yeah. in, in the NHL, right? Like it, most of their, the rest of the, I think they all but two games remain on their schedule against divisional opponents. So, I mean, you really do control your own fate as a team, right? Like if you go and you, you win those games, you're in. And if not, then you're not like, you're not score. There's not a whole lot of scoreboard watching in the AHL because you, you know, it's such a division heavy lead that you can really, you know, you get those head to head matchups. I mean, um, uh, Cleveland plays, uh, I, they play Rochester four more times. They play Belleville four more t- times. Um, it's so, pretty crazy that we're even talking about them, but because they're seventh in the division, like they're, they're last, it's not a good division. I know it's tight as you just said, but I mean, it's, it's also a lead where 23 of 32 teams make it. So, I mean, you know, it's true. You know, I mean, Really, at this stage, only true, truly, truly, San Diego's out. Every even like the Grand Rapids and the Chicago's and the Hendersons are mathematically still in. They're still hanging around there, right? Like, and if they get hot, like, I mean, you can rattle off three wins in a week here, and you know, I mean, so it's you can get right back in it, like, especially if you can start to pick up some regulation wins against some of the same teams that you're chasing. So it's not. It's not the same setup as the as the NHL, where yeah, sure, if you're five seven points back at this stage, like you know, pack it up, you know. But in the HL, I mean, it's just it's a whole different. They make I mean, basically, they make it. They give you every possible opportunity in the HL to make the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Right? That's the goal. NHL GMs want their players in the postseason. That's why they expanded the playoff field like they did. They added seven teams before last season to the playoff field. So everybody now, like, unless you really are having a poor season, you really have every chance and every opportunity to get in. And then w- once you get in, as we've seen, I mean, 
look, look at Laval last year. They were they were a pretty average team for a lot of the season. They they caught fire. They got a few players back. You get a few good matchups, and and, and then the biggest factor I think is those short series, right? Like best of three as a like, you know, I mean that's a crapshoot, right? And especially, you know, usually those those can be like three games in four nights, you know, so. Well, that's what somebody's on recall. Then interesting because if they squeak into that last spot, let's say they get hot, they're rolling because if they're going to get in, they're going to have to go on a bit of a run here. Sure, they're like the number one upset candidate, like number one underdog. If this was March Madness, I think a lot of people be picking them to bust a bracket because once the playoffs start and nothing else really matters, look at the two rosters. Like Cleveland's could be Cleveland could be better than Toronto when they're fully healthy. Especially depends what Toronto has. Like if the Leafs, like I don't think that's that far fetched. You know, say the Leafs have to pull a couple guys up, right? I mean, in the Marlies, have, you know, they took a pretty big hit in the past month or so. When you look at who they lost, uh, now they, to their credit, they've been able to keep it going. But um, if you pull a few more players off that roster, you know, for the Leafs, all of a sudden, and then meanwhile, Cleveland is getting hot. Or you know, and getting some players like you're getting a Cole Sillinger to come in. You're getting that's what I means. mean. I mean, so yeah, that's what why in this league. I mean, you try to you try to like if you if you did a bracket. I mean, it'd be it'd be a real tough, um, real tough, uh, you know, prediction. Just because I mean, like you know, in the NHL, like you more or less kind of know, like let's say like the eight to ten legit maybe stanley cup contenders and there's different tiers within that but really a lot of this is you know the hls comes down to timing you know who's healthy who's not on recall uh and if you can get past some of those those short series so it's uh it's a whole different whole different can of worms for teams in, in this league okay so finally if you who do you think has the best odds to make the playoffs cleveland or laval cleveland yeah, I, I like I like where Cleveland's trending. Uh, they've gotten healthier. Uh, I think most of the chaos now with Columbus, which was a big trickle down effect for them, um, most of that has settled down for at least the time being. Um, I'm just not sold on Laval necessarily yet. I mean, they're they're, they're up and down a lot, and um, they've they've taken a lot of roster hits really, like in the past, you know. And with Justin Barron injured. Ago. When the, and they have they have their own injury issues, so I mean, well, Baron's not injured, but he was injured the day of the deadline, so they couldn't paper him. Sure, so but, they can't get Baron, which sucks. Yeah, but yeah, like I mean, you know, Harvey Bernard's up, Belzeal's up. I mean, you know, they, they've they've taken a lot of hits to their roster, and um, yeah, I, I would go Cleveland if I, you know, if you really kind of, you know, ask me for an answer, as I did. All right, let's move on to our prospect. <laughs> let's move on to our prospect of the week, Bobby McMahon. The guy is—we talked about it before, but it's hard not to highlight him. He's on an absolute heater. Twenty-one goals in twenty-nine games, eighteen in his last seventeen. It—it's honestly astonishing how quickly this guy has has climbed the ladder. Undrafted player, you know, he started in the ECHL two years ago. Was with the Marlies a bit during the COVID year, but never really found his footing per se. Last year really took a big leap forward, and then this year you're kind of seeing. And, I, and I've 
I've likened his development path to Trevor more in the sense of like the first year, you kind of saw it, you kind of saw enough and they got an ELC. And then the next year, mm-hmm. it's that moment where it's like, okay, I'm proving it. I am good enough to be on the cusp of it. Whether that happens in Toronto or not, they're pretty stacked. But yeah, what a, what a rise for Bobby McMahon recently. Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's out of the lineup for two weeks with an injury. He comes back and scores a hat-trick. I mean, like, that's a return. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he has, what, two hat-tricks in his last five games. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, he's yeah he's gone from that, that you know, he's a good player at this level, so now he's a dominant player. Like, yeah, he's and that's that, what I mean. That shift. Well, it's funny, um, too, because you look at Toronto and their depth, Everyone's excited about Matthew Nyes, who, like, understandably is going to be a great, great player, whatnot. But let's say he isn't looking the best or whatever it may be uh, once he gets some regular games in. And we're in the playoffs. The Leafs need someone to put in. I mean, Bobby McBann's right there. He, he, he played great in those eight games with David Camp and, and Engvall. He was really solid. And I think that he's a dominant player in this league. And we kind of talk, touched on this a couple topics ago about how you need the guys that are going to be energy guys the next level to be scoring at the level below. Like you need to have offense. And Bobby McMahon's a perfect example of that. And you pair that with the speed he has. He's going to be a really interesting depth player for Toronto. He's a nice find. Like, you know, like for a guy that like they sign a AHL deal and, you know, like which the Marlies and the Leafs love to do, right? It's kind of like they sign as many guys as they can. You know, it's that, you know, how many of them work volume, out? We'll and see. you see if even one or two maybe pan out. And if they do, great. And if not, well, you didn't really risk much right. um, other than some money. And like <laughs> that's never an issue there. So, um, yeah, he's been a great find. Like, you know, I think he's ready. You know, I do that's too. My, my feel. I, I do as well. I, I think he could handle it. Certainly, as we, you know, as you said, we we saw him for that eight game stretch, and you could do a lot worse than him, putting him in the lineup here down the stretch into the playoffs. I think you know, you know, mentally, you know, he's he's got the right right makeup that way uh, to handle that pressure, and there's certainly obviously going to be pressure. And um, I don't think he, he did not look bad when he was up there, right? Like he certainly handled, looked good. Um, he handled it well, all things considered, and. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I think he's ready. Yeah, that's my, my, my feel for him. Like, I don't think there's a whole lot left for him to do at this level. At the well, end. I think he's, he's certainly surpassed Alex Steves, is what I would say. Because I think Alex Steves was sort of that, mm-hmm. the, the shiny new toy, per se, last year. But sure. I think McMahon, even, I was talking to someone that was at Leafs camp a bit, and they were saying how, like, I was asking about Steves a bit, and they're like, Bob McMahon, man, is having a phenomenal camp. I was like, huh okay, like, it's cool, it makes sense. And I think Steve's is the complete rear view mirror now with the depth chart. Like, I think that McMahon's the next guy up, and if the Leafs weren't in the dire situation that they're in, in the arms race to the East, you know, wouldn't be surprising if if McMahon was on their fourth line, right? Like, if they didn't have to go out and get those more forwards or whatever it may be, wouldn't be out of place there. Well, I mean, for the Leafs, let's be honest, right? Like, they have to win in the first round. Right. And at that point, it's you dress your your best 20 players. And of course. it's not about it's not about giving anybody, you know, a shot or an opportunity or you want to kind of take a look at them like now it's 
Well, but that's what I mean. I think he was good enough in those eight games that would yeah. No, I know, but I mean, as, as opposed to maybe sure. like or an eyes or whoever. I mean, right. Like now it's, yeah, like, you know, this is, this is a strict meritocracy at this point because, I mean, you're going to need everything you have in that first round against Tampa and then some. And yet, if you don't win that series, I mean, who knows what's next, right? I mean, the pressure there is – pressure always, obviously always in Toronto is high, but it's, it's going to be a whole other level of – Totally. Um, you know, from anything we've seen in the past. Let's get to our team of the week, the Philadelphia Flyers. John Tortorella had coached a very interesting comment a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember the player he was referencing, but it, he, he made mention about how the importance of getting guys down to the affiliate for a long run – and right now, the Flyers are, I mean, they, they fired Chuck Fletcher. I guess you could say they're waving the white flag. It's not a good situation there. Mm-hmm. And from here on out, obviously, I think it's fair to expect with, if it's Briere, whoever else takes over, we're going to start seeing, you would hope for that organization, a bit of a rebuild, a young talent coming in. But for right now, no real game breakers in the AHL. Hey, Pat? Not Game really, breaker. no. Uh, there's some potentially intriguing players. Tyson um, Forrester is a good first one to start with. Hey, he's a pretty, like, I think he's taken a step this year where it, it's more noticeable than just the little flashes he had the pandemic here. Mm-hmm. Well, that pandemic year, I mean, that was such a chaotic year, right? I mean, for, for him, I think that year was just about get him, get him some time, right? And then, but last year he had, you know, he had the injury situation last year. So that some of that, progression i think that you maybe that ground you made up in 2021 then you uh, you know then then he misses most of last season right so then do you know what i mean like it's yeah he's got one step forward one step back so this year you know it's been good to see him come in and, and kind of hang in there and have a solid very solid rookie season at this level a true rookie season not you know what we're calling that pandemic year so um, and I will just say, like, you know, think of the ramifications when a GM is fired. That is That goes well beyond the NHL roster, the NHL dressing room. It goes right down to the American League team and, frankly, right down to the ECHL team. Because at that point, kind of everything now is up for grabs. Personal. You don't know who's coming in, right? Yeah, Briere looks like he'll have some sort of role. But, you know, I mean, somebody else could completely come out of left field and – you know, so so all of a sudden, let's say you were a player and you you kind of felt a little bit buried there, and you right. you were feeling like this, yeah, this, where am I going here, right? I'm in kind of a dead end. Well, now you have potentially have a whole new set of eyes coming in, so you you can definitely see some guys, you know, maybe get a little bit of that that, that jump start now, you know, and, and what a what a better time to prove it now than the last month of the season and then the playoffs, right? And conversely, maybe some guys that were held in higher regard by the previous regime maybe now they're not necessarily going to be in that same um, tier depending on who comes in. So like everything is, is an unknown right now. Right. For sure. And it's a huge variable. There's also, so what interesting story was Elliot day Noyer of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms tied with Forrester for the league lead in points with 39. It's a pretty interesting story. Fifth round pick. And and it's really come onto the scene here. Yeah. Really, really like, very minimal uh, adjustment time coming in from the queue and um, first year pro first year pro um, is really started to handle that two way side of things. Um, came up, I uh, got a little bit of time in Philly, like where, you know, 
there aren't too many uh, fifth round picks in their rookie year get, get time up at, at all in the in the NHL team. Now, granted, Philly's gone through its, its struggles, but yeah, you know, I, I think it was interesting, like you mentioned with Torrella, who you know had a long AHL career himself as a coach. Um, make that point where like we don't want our guys sitting around in Philly, you know, maybe playing one night, sitting sitting out the next night. We want them in in Lehigh Valley. Like so, Erson is is going to be a big part of that stretch drive um, as the number one for the Phantoms and get that team in. I mean, they they've won five of six now going into the weekend. Um, they've definitely kind of separated from that bottom pack in that Atlantic division. They're, they're a pretty solid bit now for the playoffs. And now, yeah, again, like if you're, you know, if everybody's in a, on an audition right now, right? Like, you know, Chuck Fletcher has gone and mm-hmm. who knows what's next for, for any of that regime, right? Like it's all up in the air at this point. So, um, if, yeah, I think if you're a player now, like if you can go on a run here, right? What better way to do it, right? Like if you can really put together a solid playoff and go into the summer that way, like, you know, that's going to be the, the most recent example of your work. And um, I think it will definitely bode well for that, you know, if let's say in the summertime, they finally do get around to bringing a new GM and then who knows who else that person may bring in. Um, and then you, you have that, uh, you have that on your resume. So, I mean, this is a real, real interesting time in Philly right now and by extension down to Lehigh Valley. Bobby Brink is another player that had really high pedigree. He had surgery, so his season was kind of delayed. Uh, he did have some games with Philly this year, but what's the four and one on him? Like kind of where he's at, and, and it's been a difficult. Like he's Hobie Baker finalist last year, surgery through wrench and things, so it's kind of been a tough rookie year for him. But he's gotten some time at the big club. Like what's the latest with him? Well, like not only do you have surgery, you know, his hip surgery at that, you know, which is very yeah. serious. I mean, that's not a minor not procedure. Um, not only that, now you're trying to jump in midstream, right? So, like, you know, it's I always compared to like when you're like trying to merge onto a highway, right? Right. You're at a full stop, and everybody's flying by you, and you gotta somehow like slip in there and, and get up to speed real fast. It's a lot like that, and um, he's he looks he looks that way some nights. Like, you can obviously there are nights where you see that potential. Then there are other nights where he looks who he is, which is a, a young guy um, who's had hip surgery, who's still trying to find his way, um, you know, having jumped into the, you know, the thick of the season. So for him, I think um, a playoff run would be especially important, right? Like he needs games and um, that would be fantastic opportunity. I mean, whoever Lehigh Valley is going, going to play in the playoffs, it's going to be, it's going to be a hard matchup. And you're, you're going to see, you're going to see really the best hockey you're going to see outside of the NHL. Right. So yeah, I'll be real interested to see him, especially to see how he handles that, you know, obviously the last month or so of the season, but more importantly that that playoff run and what they can, uh, what he can do in those pressure games. Last one, Samuel Urson, goaltender. Mm-hmm. He also, so this is his first full season. He, he came over at the, at the, uh, or he played last year for a couple games and he only had five games. Was he injured last year? Yeah, real, real serious uh, injury issues last year. So, yeah, like, you know, he came over from the Swedish League. Um, we're in a pretty good run there. And it's funny, he's another fifth rounder, right? And, um, you know, so so it's interesting that, you know, if you look at the recent drafts, and we, we talked a little bit about this, like, 
it, it was a tough go for Philly for like that, that, you know, 2016 to 2018, 19-ish, right? Dropping but you have started to hit on some of those lower picks, possibly. Yeah. It's yeah. not a short thing yet, obviously, with Erson, but um, he's he's been pretty solid, right? Like, you know, I haven't loved him being kind of pulled up and down um, to Philly this year. Like, I get and it. Schwartz kind but, of alluded to that when he went on the whole rant, right? I think that's yeah. also kind of what it was, too, was I don't know how good this elevator is working for these guys. Yeah, I like seeing a guy just settle in, like, especially a goalie. All right, you're going to be here this year. Right. Um, you know, you're – you're a number one guy here, or undisputed number one, especially Troy Gorsnick's been hurt for most of the year. Um, we want to see you run with it. And we don't want those distractions of, well, okay, tonight you're going up, then we're sending you back tomorrow morning. Like, just, I get it, but it's not ideal. All right, before we end the show, I want to do a trivia with you. Hate to put you on the spot. Our okay. future watch issue is out. And I want you to guess who the highest ranked player is on it that is in the AHL. Pat. I'll go with uh, Jiracek. No. He's he's number five. Nemitz. No, he's number six. I don't know. So this, so our, our it, it was the list is conducted with our our editorial contacts, a large group of scouts. They submit a list, and it, it's kind of done from there. Number two is Simon Edmondson. Okay, so he was put. I was surprised too to see him ahead of year check it. And yeah, I'm a little surprised with that. And Sac, so in the top ten, you also have Yaroslav Sakharov at seven, Jesper Wallstad at eight. And uh, Shane Wright, number four, he played a bit of the AHL. But yeah, that's our, be sure to get the future watch issue. But yeah, no, I was surprised to see Edmondson there as well. Would have probably thought Jiracek would be, but that's a elite crop. Nemich, I would go with Jiracek. I, I just, I love everything about his game. Like, it's such a mature game. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep in mind, I will say this is, this is a, they, they want to project who will be the best in five to 10 years. So, Take that with what was. Hey, you're not wrong for saying your check. I probably would have said it too. Yeah, I still uh, five. What you're talking about right now, or five, ten years, <laughs> I would go your check. But uh, you know, hey, you know, if scouting was easy, if uh, these predictions were easy, right? Like, everybody right? Would be, you know, everybody would run right. into Vegas, put their money down on the uh, 2032 Stanley Cup champs. So, got that right. All <laughs> right. Well, on that note, we'll end our Jeopardy session here. Thank you so much for everyone for listening. We'll be sure to catch you next week as well. Take care.